How's it going, everyone? Hope everyone's having a great day. <clears throat> Thank you for joining in and being part of this journey with me. Today on the show, I had the pleasure to interview Kelly Salvador. She's an RMT and business owner in the region of Ottawa with uh, Kinetic Edge and Recovery RX. Um, she's doing fabulous work uh, in Ottawa, um, and it was very amazing treat for me to talk with her and talk shop for for an hour or so with her. It was cool because. Uh, we've linked up through a mutual friend and then chatted uh, through the power of social media. And now, and I was, I, she was on previous podcasts and seeing her growth from those conversations she had on those podcasts and now how she evolved into uh, the business owner and RMT she is and the power uh, she could exacerbate on uh, the, the internet. It's been truly amazing to see and witness. So, Please welcome to the show, Kelly Salvador. And we're live. Welcome along, Kelly. How's it going? I'm great. How are you doing? Really, really good. So how's, uh, how's everything going for you? Like, Because I've been a big fan of your work you've been doing since the past two years. And like we were able to, to link up through the power of social media, your past podcast uh, appearances. And we also went to the same school, so I'm like an alumni. <laughs> <laughs> um, but tell us about you, because you've did a lot of change in the last couple years for so, for so. Yeah, things have things have moved forward. So as you mentioned, we kind of connected through a few podcast appearances. Makes me sound very important um, through a few other RMTs. And at the time, I was working on my own. I had my own practice downtown. And I was, you know, dropping a lot of hints, I guess, as to what the future was going to hold, what I was working on at the time, which at the time was meeting up with, with Joe, my, my business partner, and trying to figure out our vision of a recovery studio for Ottawa. So um, that would have been, the timelines are really skewed. Like we would have started that conversation, I think, in 2017 into 2018 and then 2019 was really when we were like okay you know we need to make a business plan and figure out where we're going to do it and, and kind of put it all together so that we kind of opened our doors in September 2019 and went from there nice. and then had a pandemic six months in <laughs> and like I feel it's such a like I think it was such a like uh, an organic growth for you of like having your own business downtown being very very successful and then in the previous podcast appearances you you had, you were mentioning you're going through like personal training certification, being a bit more like jack of all trades and able to like uh, provide for, for all your clients. And now having like, and, and seeing the, the recovery studio on social media, it's like every time I, I want to go to Ottawa, it's like, oh, this is a place I want to stop by. Thank you. Um, that's very, very kind. Yeah. Like I, I think I'm very lucky. I, I got to grow and evolve in a way that was, you know, very linear in the sense that I kind of started in a big multidisciplinary practice. And then I branched out and went on my own a little bit. And then I was in another clinic and I kind of got to touch on different aspects of the industry and then, you know, make that jump to doing my own thing and then kind of going like, okay, what's the next step? And the next step was, was major growth. And that's where, okay, now you, you partner up or you own your own thing. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been very lucky where things have just kind of worked out and, and we're, I think we're doing something really different um, 
recovery, that aspect of recovery is definitely the new thing you're seeing with like, you're seeing these, like these techniques and these pieces of equipment pop up in a lot of different clinics now, which is, which is great. It's good for everybody. Um, it's never good to just have the monopoly on, on the entire industry. You want other people using it. You want other people spreading the word because it just brings business back through your doors. So yeah, things, things have gone well. I I've been working really hard. I don't want to work forever. So the idea now is to just keep growing this thing to a point where, you know, I can slowly step back over the years and, and retire. <laughs> but that's like such a, um, I feel like going through school, I don't know for you, but uh, you're like, oh, you show up day one and you're like, oh, I'm going to be a massage therapist forever. And then like, I don't know if you had Brent in school, but like we, I had that teacher Brent and he was just like, oh, you guys are in for the money and making a quick buck for the next like five to 15 years. Cause like, that's the expansioncy of your career. Yeah. The, the school program looking back and I, I went to school a long time ago, I was there from about 2008 to 2010, but they, there was no conversation and mind you, the industry was very different too, but there was no conversation about like making those leaps into business ownership or making those leaps into different aspects of the industry. It was all about, you are training to be an RMT, you will be an RMT and like, you will do this until your hands fall off. And like, or, and that's it. Like there was no, or like, and there was a lot of fear of like, well, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to have a short career. And the burnout rate is like two years. And you're like, you're sitting there going like, I'm in school for two years, like it, for two years of work. Like it just, it was, it was a bit confusing at the time, but I think for some of us, I know for me, I was like, I'm going to bring this into sport. I don't know how, but like, I'll, I'll make it there, you know? And, um, so there wasn't a lot of conversation at the time of like, what does your job, like they did talk about the money in the sense that they were like, you're not going to make as much as you think you will. You can, you can make great money in this industry, but there wasn't a conversation about like, where, where do you take this over time and how do you evolve? And I, and I think that that will go into, I think the, the problems that I personally pick apart with, with the industry as well. But yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a huge vision kind of laid out for you of like, how are you going to progress in your career? It was very much like, like you said, you're, you're going to be doing this for 15 years and then that's it. And if you're like 25, I think that's a pretty interesting conversation to have with someone, right? Oh, when I, when we had that conversation in class, I was just like, this is feels broken. I feel like I'm working so hard to pass the provincial exam and like you're self-employed and like our independent contractor. And you're like, I don't have a pension. Like how, how can I make, make this, like this thing goes. And, and I really like your, the progression and I've been following, like I said, I've been following you and I'm going to pump your tires in the, in the intro I'm going to make, but it's, you've th started from a multidisciplinary clinic, had your own space and now being a business owner, which is, and you still have like your feet and both pools of like the entrepreneurship. Uh, I have to. It's so how was that like, it's cool because like a lot of people I've met or had on the podcast so far has been like people starting up or of my age and the my my business age I guess. Mm -hmm. So you're the first guest I'm like could pick your brain on the business side of things and I think it's yeah. pretty, I'm really excited about this conversation. How did you like, you transfer your your mindset of like oh I I need to make more money and like I know money is not always the uh, the why we come in but it's probably the why we stay in. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a good question. Like part of it is there is a finite aspect to this job. Like there is going to be a point where you can't work the same volume, where your priorities change, where you want to put more time maybe into your family life or you want to travel or 
it changes. Like there's, there's a small period, like at the beginning, especially like in those first six years, seven years, I worked my ass off. I worked in like three different places. I was teaching. I wasn't a great teacher. I was teaching. I was waitressing. Like I worked at coffee shops. I was nannying. Like I worked so much, but I also had like the stamina to do it. And, and my practice style hadn't evolved yet. So I, like, I think I could very comfortably work at that pace, but I worked with really great practitioners that kind of drove it home. Like you can't do this forever. Like you can go at the pace you're doing it at now and that's fine, but you are going to hit a wall where you're going to want a little bit more time between clients. You're not going to work as much or you're going to have different priorities. So I think it was, once I went out on my own, I enjoyed working by myself. That was important for me. I was like, Oh, I like being my own boss. This is working out really well. I like where this is going, but that was a really big wake up call of like, it's just you. Like if I take a week off, there's, there's no income coming in. And that had always been the case, but at least I always had a feeder system of other practitioners working with me. And suddenly, even though you have a referral system, you're in your office by yourself every day. So when I was working on my own, that's where I really started to go. Okay. Like what's the bigger picture here. And that's where I started exploring. Like you said, like personal training certifications or like evolving, you know, what I was doing hands-on and my mindset about the industry had changed so much that I knew I didn't just want to have hands-on clients on the treatment table every single day, all day. So that started to, you know, spin my wheels of like, where could I start to diversify my income sources? How do I get passive income? How do I, you know, how do I make money in different ways? Um, Yeah. And then, you know, in came, yeah, the, the conversation with Joanna was like very, lucky and random and we were on the same page. So I think we're, we're really grateful that that happened in, in the way that it did. Yeah. And, and it's cool. Cause like you're, you're, you're offering not only multi multidisciplinary clinic, but also like a recovery space for like athletes to athletes to like average individuals to like come in and be like, Hey, well, today's treatment, that's really good. But like, here's the sauna or here's the, the, the Normatec boots or the new column, uh, which I was like, oh my God, this is like offers a full service of recovery. Yeah. Well, like going home, like get in, get your massage, get your adjustment or your treatment per se. And then, okay, cool. You, thank you. See you, see you two weeks or see you in three weeks. Well, that's the irony too, is that we did create a business with the idea in mind of being more involved in our communities and having this hub, this space. And then in comes a massive switch where it's like, don't see anyone, don't linger, don't talk to anybody. <laughs> so we've, you know, and uh, like you said, you wanted to talk about that later, but it, you know, the changes we've had to make since the pandemic came in and in really great ways We're we're really lucky. I think that we're pushing forward in, in new and creative manners. Um, but yeah, we, our business model, you know, we're, and we're lucky. We're not a gym. We're not a restaurant. Like there's other industries that are hit a lot harder than we are, but we did create something with the idea of community in mind and, and sticking around and having a, having a more holistic approach to your treatment style. And it's, we're balancing a fine line right now of really trying to respect public health protocol, but give our clients what we think that they need and do it in a way that's safe and, and useful and beneficial for them that's cool. Cause like, it doesn't, it's not only from the, like, it's not only on the table, the recovery aspect. It's like, okay, well this, what we did today is very, very good, but like go, go in a sauna or whatever the trip it's very uh, new age. If I could say the word of like therapy compare, like you're going in school. It's just like, okay, you're hands on for like 30 to like an hour and a half with someone and be like, okay, like it's all on me. I'm doing all the work. And now you're off and like, I'm like your guardian angel compared like the, the model you're offering 
and and I know it's like a pandemic time, so it's kind of like hard to like offer more. And I'm sure like the the like you said, the fine line is, the line is very thin or fine. Pardon my French on this one, but uh, it's it offers so much more, and I think it's beautiful. Thank you. So and so like how did that transferred of like giving a bit more, creating more awareness for the client for the those new recovery methods. Um, I think part of it is that Joanna and I just both believed like we were seeing these studios and these modalities pop up, especially in the States, um, which is always a little bit more ahead of us also because there's less regulation there. So clinics and stuff look very different over there than they do here. Um, so on one hand, we, we had all these modalities that we were looking into that we were like, wow, we love this. We believe in this. We believe in hot and cold and, you know, um, like brain therapy and decompression. Like we want to tie all this together to give the client more, like give them, that was part of our business plan was like, we wanted to give them access to equipment that they would find otherwise find in like a professional locker room, but give them access to it in their very own town, city, neighborhood. Um, but I think the other part of that where we both would agree and maybe more of the practitioners that I align myself with is that I disagree. Like the idea that you get on my table and we do really great, acute, short-lived work together is really important to drive home to the client. And that's been my evolution as a therapist of like, if you're not going to participate in your, your health, if you're not going to participate in utilizing the window that I'm gonna give you to get better, then what are we doing here? And, and I'm not the right fit for every single client. Not every person wants to hear that, but I think good therapists now get that and they're communicating that in a more honest way with their clients of, if you're not gonna be a part of this, like I've gotten so much better at asking a client first before I create this massive home care you know, program for them of like, are you gonna do it? Are you gonna do like stretching? Like, are you gonna, are you gonna participate in any of this? Cause if you're not, that's totally fine but I'm not gonna waste my time. And they, it takes some people aback, other people appreciate it. So, but I think that that's, that's coming out more now of like, if you're not gonna, like it's a, it's a combination. I think our treatment modalities, that's Cairo, that's physio, that's RMT it is a finite temporary time with your client. And if you can admit to that, you're on the right track. So if you can admit that this is finite, if this is a window that we're gonna give you to then work on your mobility, work on accessing better ranges of motion, strengthen, then we're on the right path. If you're just gonna come on the table and say, fix me right here, and then I'm not gonna do anything when I leave, what are we doing? Like, I'll take your money, but we're not going to get any better. So the recovery plays into that nicely is kind of what I'm getting at of like, we get these extra modalities. You're laughing, but it's like, I've become so cranky in the industry, but it's just because like, I believe in biomechanics so much and movement so much that, you know, when you, you're something like an RMT where it's like, no, I'm supposed to be hands-on and I'm supposed to do everything for you. And I'm like, you said, I'm your guardian angel. I'm going to fix everything for you. And that's so not what's happening. You're, you're a lot more to that client, but at the same time, the work that you can do for them is so limited. So, and I, I'm super comfortable saying that and I'm booked a month out. So like people, <laughs> I think people get it. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I like that because I, I have the same approach to it. Like I was, I remember when I was in school and like, I probably like classmates going to listen to to what you're saying. And I was just like, I could put like, as soon as I put my hands on someone, I know I did a good job mm -hmm. to, to a certain degree. You're like, okay. Because uh, with like touch, uh, touch uh, the, the studies on touch and re recovery on this one. And I was just like, if I don't teach someone how to move properly and how to stabilize a joint, like how 
like they're done after an hour they're going to go out and they're going to say oh pat did an amazing thing and then in two days they're going to like blow their acl slipping on ice and you're like oh i should have probably put that person on one leg before doing something else yeah there's there's an honesty there too right of, of the relationship and the responsibility with your practitioner of okay so i'm going to work on you and i'm going to we're going to do this great treatment together for an hour and then it's your job if they're willing to give them the extra tools to make this treatment mean something and if you don't that's just as much on you like you said if if you have them come in there and you're not quite as honest with them about what the next steps are and like you said they they have an accident or, or something goes you know, whether or not there's blame there, there's still a part of the relationship where they go, well, I've been seeing Pat for, for two years and he's never taught me, you know, any kind of stimulatory exercises. That's on you. It's on you as much as it's on them. So uh, it, it's, it makes treatment very interesting right now, but I think it also makes the industry like really, really tough because it's a, it's a bigger job than I think it ever was before. Yeah. And, and I think, and it's going to be really cool to transfer from like the point of this point, because like the next point, it's like social media and like the therapeutic side like and now if you're not a, a health care practitioner or provider and you do not provide some sort of exercise or uh like i i share a lot of my rants or thoughts on social media about like recovery and training and it's like if you don't provide this like you can't can you be a really good uh niche for someone because it's so like people are booking online through like instagram oh i've seen this like i i trust that person now Mm -hmm. And I think that's yeah. something that you evolved doing really well from like the, the transfer in the last two years of like putting yourself out there a lot more. Thank you. But so how did you manage this transfer of like putting more stuff online and with social media? Uh, I was forced to. <laughs> um, like social media is just part of the lexicon. Now you do have to have a bit of a presence, you know, 10 years ago, you had a website and that was it. You were lucky if you had a website. There was a ton of people who didn't. Um, and now you, I would say your Instagram is probably one of the most important parts of a modern day practice because you can have a booking portal. You can have a last minute spot that pops up and you can throw it on there. And if you have a decent following of your clientele, you can probably fill that spot. So your social media now has, has become kind of an extension of your practice and your practice style and your business. So over time, like I went, especially when, it, when I went out on my own, that's when it changed. So I had an Instagram before, but it was private. It wasn't really about, you know, registered massage therapy. And when I went out on my own, I hired Natalie, um, our shared friend, and she kind of just helped carve out that voice for me. And I just let her go with it. You know, she had a great understanding of our industry. She had a great understanding of the audience that I was trying to reach. So I kind of took a very hands-off approach. And I told her that I said, I, I don't, I'd rather just treat people on the table. I don't want to have to be on my, my phone or my computer all day. So she started building that following for me. And over time, I think after about two years, I kind of just slowly started to take it over myself. And it wasn't because she didn't do a good job. She's a phenomenal um, social media and marketing um, entrepreneur. Like her content's incredible. And she put so much time in. And it was just about like, I'd kind of gotten to a place of, my practice is big enough. My, my book is kind of big enough now where I didn't need to seek so much. I, I kind of had enough pre-booking where I could kind of keep that going a little bit more. And I wanted to change the voice a little bit. I wanted to have a bit more control over, you know, what I was putting out there and um, describing the exercises for myself and how I would talk the client through it. And, you know, we made that transition in the pandemic when everything shut down, we took over the account ourselves, honestly, just from a budgeting perspective, like a lot of businesses. And because we didn't have 
this center anymore where that's where our social media is surrounded. It was, it was all about Recover RX, how these, these tools and, and tricks could benefit you. And we didn't have that, you couldn't access it anymore. So we flipped it to, okay, people are at home, let's give them stuff to do at home. And that started tracking really well. So now we share the media responsibilities. We give our younger therapists a voice because Joanna and I do have a really good following on our own and a really good client base. Whereas, you know, Brianna's a year and a half in, David's a couple years in, Caitlin's just starting out as well. So this is, a, it's better for them to grow their practice through there because they need more clients. So what's nice is that we have this, like you said, this great varied approach of, of practitioners that get to all put their different spin on things and, and we're working on it, but it, but it's gone really well. And clients I think are loving it and they're very receptive and they're very engaged and they're enjoying, you know, being able to take charge of a little bit more of their health and, and have the tools and the, the tips to do it. And I think it's cool. Cause like you could be, you're, you're, you're very useful. You and Joanna could be u- very useful mentors for the up and comers therapists in your clinic. Cause you're like, okay, well that was the evolution. And now like, this is super important. You have a social media following. To just, not only for your clients, but also for for having a presence to recruit more clients. So yeah. a steady business, and which is because like uh, I've seen, I think like we we're talking that off air, but like you shared something yesterday, Dave shared something, and then Brianna shared something, and it's like okay, cool. The team is working together to share their own practice, but it also shares uh, Recovery RX and the business also. Well, we we do emphasize with that with them. I mean, as much as you know. I treat anywhere between 28 and 32 clients a week. Joanna sees probably closer to hundred, just the way Cairo schedules work. So we can give to them as much as possible. And, and we do, that's the great symbiotic aspect of a, of a multidisciplinary clinic is that you do feed off of one another. If I'm not the right fit or maybe fit, like getting people in with David, getting people in with Joanna or Caitlin or another RMT, you know? So, but we, we emphasized from day one that, you know, they have to be like our clients an active participant in building their practice. You know, we need to see them doing the work. And if they're not going to do that for themselves, that's going to translate into other aspects of like, are they the right fit for what we're trying to build here? So we're really lucky. Everyone is really keen and really interested in the education and really passionate. So they've kind of taken it upon themselves to, to grow their brand as much as they can separate from us, which is really important because as much as we work together, they're their own person and they're their own practice. They have their own practice within a practice. So it's important for them to, to continue building that on their own and have autonomy through that and, and have the motivation to actually be a part of it. Oh, that's really cool. I, I, I like that. How do you get more like, cause like the transfer of like from your own business or your own practice and telling like, cause before you were, like you said, you mentioned you were, multidisciplinary clinic on your own and then now with like recovery rx so mm-hmm. how was the first conversation of saying to a client hey homie like you'll need to do your part in this how was that first conversation uh, <laughs> was like palms are sweating and i don't know i'm pretty <laughs> blunt so it comes with age and it comes with experience for sure like as, as much shit as I talk now, this is not the therapist eight years ago, right? Like way more nervous, didn't know, didn't feel like you knew what you were doing. I still don't know what I'm doing, but you were learning, you know? So that I think came with confidence and came from 
taking a lot of different courses and traveling and connecting with other therapists and, and finding my, my niche, like finding the people that I best aligned with. I started in a clinic that was multidisciplinary and with a chiropractic style that is very different from the way that Joanna and Caitlin practice now. Um, and I don't see any issue with that style of chiropractic care, but for the therapists that I've grown into now, I identify and would refer more to the style that I currently work with, right? With Joe, with, with Caitlin and the time that they spend with their clients and the modalities that they use with their clients. But that's also just an evolution over time. That's a clinic 10 years ago and that's a clinic today. Um, and practitioners, practitioners take a different route for how they get to where they were going. Um, so I think once I got out on my own, especially too, you have so much more control over who you're taking in as a client. and that whole, like your vibe attracts your tribe, but like people will find you and people will stay with you. If they, if they like you, if they like what you're doing with them, if they're seeing results, if, if you jive with that person, you know, like we're taught in school to have like zero transference to like not identify with our clients, to not treat friends and family. It's this really big umbrella of like a disconnect between you and your clients. And it's just not what happens. You, you make friends with these people, you, you know about them. I see some clients more often than I see any of my family. So there's an honesty that maybe develops over time. I'm, I'm a big sharer. I, I connect with my clients that way. It's always about them, but I don't think there's any problem with sharing like experiences and finding the things that also bring us together. And, and that's how I've kind of built my people. So there's still people that see me and maybe I'm not the right person for them. And that will make itself very evident if they rebook. So, you know, for my style, that bluntness, that, you know, tell it how it is, it's not for everybody. And I will curtail that if the client is not a good fit for that, I can tell, or I, I get to know very quickly how those people are going to respond and if that's the right approach for them. But for some people, a lot of the time it is, you know, to just be honest and tell them what they need to know. And they're adults, they can make the decision for themselves. If they don't like what I'm saying, or they don't want to participate in something, they can make that decision. And that's not for me to make my decision. My job is to give them all the information and to let them make their best decision on their own and, and help, help them get to where they need to be. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so like, it's so true, right? Cause like for a, like that transference point of view and like people, like as soon as I got out of school, they were like, I was an athlete. I'm competing in weightlifting. People are like, oh, Pat weightlifts. I'm going to go see Pat. And then you're like, oh, I can't say to anyone that I weightlift because I got to have zero transference. And you're like, well, honestly, that's the only way they showed up to my door. Yeah, that's how you build your practice. Like that is exactly how this thing moves forward. What they're getting at the, at the end of the day, of course, is like the treatment's about them. It's about your client. They should never leave the treatment table worried about the shit going on in your life. It, it should always be about them and, and their best interests at heart. But I think there's, there's, I think it's evolved and, and the industry has evolved a lot from where it first came from. So um, I, I think a lot of those guidelines were made in, in a very different time as well. So I think we all have to kind of evolve and, and figure out how to do things in, in a productive way for us and the client. It's cool to see how the evolution of the practice has been in like, the, not only the last year with like uh, the pandemic hitting, but like also from the last four years, I remember like I was getting treatment before practice or volleyball, before volleyball practice for games. It was just very, very superficial or it was like an AT. And now like massage therapy has, has a space, has a bigger, a bigger place inside of like sport, uh, sport therapy. And now seeing that like therapists are a bit more like blunt and honest about like 
the the utilization of like remedial exercising or just the technique in general but like probably you don't need a massage before you're going to play or like like a very uh parasympathetic treatment before you're going to play so yeah and i think i think that comes with the evolution of science and evidence-based practice you know it would be like, how many years ago were we telling people to stretch before their activities? You don't say that anymore, right? We ask them to functionally warm up. So I think part of that is just the evolution, but it's evolution for the therapist as well. There's a lot of RMTs. Like we have an RMT group that I'm a part of in Ottawa and I very rarely participate in it because I very rarely have anything constructive to say relative to some of the conversations that are happening. But there are there's a, a wide range of where people are at in their career, how they evolved, how they didn't evolve, what they still believe massage therapy represents, how useful they think it is in certain avenues. And then you can see the younger therapists coming in going like, no, like that is, we're not there anymore. That doesn't work anymore. That's like, for God's sakes, I took craniosacral therapy in some of my early years, nothing against those therapists. It's just like, it's just not a part of what I do. I don't even list it anymore. I don't even think I list it anymore as a course that I've taken. Cause I'm like, don't ask me about it. <laughs> I don't, I don't do it. I don't know anything about it. I don't believe in it. You know, so I'm going to edit this part out of the conversation. So yeah, people like don't won't find it. Just like, take it out. Exactly. They're like, Oh, she's shit on craniosacral. <laughs> yeah. So like for courses, like how many, cause like, uh, in the previous podcast you were on, you were talking about, uh, uh, different personal training certification and like, you've been sharing a lot of like functional range conditioning stuff. Mm -hmm. So what so, got, got you to like those, uh, certification? So at the time for personal training alone, I was just, I was so surprised to see that the training systems themselves hadn't changed very much. So a lot of your personal trainers still to this day are starting with like a good life certification and there's nothing wrong with that to get you in the door. <laughs> I love but, how you're like, whoa, let's put the brakes yeah, over here. It's nothing before wrong. I, before I get attacked online, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. But, you know, when you look at what those courses entail, it's like, it's nothing. It's, not, it, 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 it's barely an introduction to, I think, how you can safely and effectively work with your client. And at the time, um, a friend of mine, Tyler, had started creating his own course. And it was just so different and, and nothing, I hadn't really seen anything quite like it just yet in the industry. And since then, um, another buddy of mine in the industry, Jenna Ladd, has also created her version of it, her version of her own with her experience in the industry. Oh, cool. And, and his really kind of carved out, it was long, it was over six months and it was a, a whole weekend module once a month. So it gave us time to kind of work on stuff. And I hadn't seen anything like it. There was like one weekend was completely dedicated to assessing your client. Another weekend was completely dedicated to body weight exercise and gymnastics and functional training with kettlebells. So it was a way more current than anything that you were finding as like an introductory course into personal training. And it just far better aligned with what I, who I was at the time and where I, where I think I wanted to practice and the kind of training that I liked. So that was kind of the type of classes I was going to and where I wanted to learn more and where I think I was naturally a better mover. I could swing a kettlebell. So that felt great for me to like, oh, I want to learn how to do that better. I want to learn how to teach it. So I found his course and my partner and I actually did it together. So we traveled to Cornwall every weekend for six months and, and completed his training. And, and it was wonderful. It was such a great introduction into what a personal training practice could look like i think in a more modern time oh nice, nice. yeah so mm -hmm. and so from that you you took some frc stuff after that i did 
I think I can't remember if FRC came before or after. I think I actually did FRC before. Um, FRC is an interesting one. The course itself is not worth twelve hundred dollars or whatever whatever it is. It's a it's two days of a really big room of people getting talked to. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a lot of money for when you look around and you see 80 to hundred people sitting there and you start running the math of what they're making, you're like, holy shit. And don't get me wrong, the system they've developed, they've, they've earned every penny. But for from sure. a- like, like Looking at it for, for you, like being a business owner and like understanding math, like I go in a place now and I'm like looking at people as if they're dollar signs. Absolutely. Oh no, and you're like, constantly running the return of like, yeah, like, what do you get out of this? So when you're sitting there and you're going, oh my God, like there's a hundred people here and we all spent- $1,200 in this course. It's crazy. And then you, we did the course and I, I loved the principles of it, but for that course specifically, it really was about, okay, we're giving you a very base level understanding of this. It's up to you to really take this and run. And I don't disagree with that because I think that that's the case for a lot of continuing education is it, it's really your job to have, take an interest after the course and put it into practice. So, but from having said that, I think that those principles, functional um, range conditioning, are some of the smartest, simplest training tools that we've seen in a really long time that just makes sense of like usable range of motion, strength in range of motion, not just treating mobility, like smashing out your tissues on a foam roller, but really thinking about how does my body move? Why does it move the way that it does? How, how have I earned this range of motion for good or for bad? And how do I change it? So that system itself is really interesting because it, it's just, it's not anything like we've seen before. We, we've seen contract and relax. We've seen the principles of the training um, in our own practices, but we haven't seen it in a, in a complete system in the way that like, oh, here's the progressions of this particular hip mobility exercise and how you can make it as hard as possible or as easy as possible and how that can transfer to your clients. So that I thought was wonderful. And it's taken some time. It takes a lot of your free time to really understand the principles and put it into practice. But as a take home for clients, I think it's probably one of the best, best courses that I've taken in a really long time for like usable information for the client. And like for courses, I think like a lot of people are like, you're getting out in the field and like you're, you're getting your diploma from like the CMTO and you're like, okay, I got to take some courses over here. Mm -hmm. What am I going to take? And then like you said, I have nothing wrong with the, the good life certification or the weekend course. And cause you got to apply those education after or force mm -hmm. yourself to learn more. Yeah. But sometimes you're like, you look at it from like the standpoint of like, okay, you show up at eight, 8 AM Saturday morning. And you're like, there's a lot of money in this, <laughs> in this place right now. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I hope the money I spend for this is going to bring as much when I leave here Sunday night. Yeah. And, and understanding that for your standpoint of like, oh, well, there's a lot of like really relatable stuff to like think about when I'm on like treating a, a patient on the table or just creating education for someone. Yeah. And you're not always going to take a course that's going to hit with everybody. That's two different things. You can take a course because you're interested in it. Now, are your clients going to buy into that? And I saw this on an FRC thread the other day, actually, where this girl was a massage therapist. I don't know where. And she said, how do I get clients to buy into this? Because I'm all in. I believe in this. I know it's what they want. But especially for something like massage therapy, like someone comes in the room to me and they're like already stripping and like, they're like, let's go 60 minutes. I want it on the table now. 
to then go, okay, yes, you're going to get your 60 minutes, but I'd love to spend an extra 15 with you to actually show you how to get better. Right. And, and really, really gain here. So there's, there's two camps. You get to take all the stuff that you're passionate about, but to translate that into a business model, that's actually going to hit with people. That's actually going to make them buy in and you're going to profit all cool. It's very cool to be a hundred percent passionate about what you do and live your best life every day and get to do the things that you love. But if you're not making any money, like for me, like I I'm not there anymore. Like it's got, it's gotta, it's gotta work together. I need to take something that's a going to interest me, but that B will make me a solid return. They have, they have to go together. And, and there's more options for that now, which is great. But like in the beginning, when you said, what courses do I take? My first two courses out of school were hot stone massage and craniosacral therapy. I couldn't be further from those two things now, 11 years later, if I tried, like, like I haven't touched a stone in probably 10 years, like that was short-lived and the craniosacral, I don't even think I used after I left. So it was, I went to Florida, had a lovely holiday and took four days of coursework. And then I left and I never used it. So it's, sometimes it's going to hit, sometimes it's not, but yeah, it's, it's important. It's important to satisfy your own personal education, but then also create a business model out of it. And like, that was like the biggest thing for me, like, as I went out of school and you're looking at all those certification, you, there's so many courses you want to take. It's like, it's like, oh, now I could take the, what the thing I want to learn about. And Cause now there is, you're lucky. You've come in, you came right. in at this brilliant time where you, they allow RMTs to take all these different courses. Now, like I was chomping at the bit to take Graston for years and they wouldn't, they finally let RMTs from Ontario and BC. And this was in like 2014 or something oh, where they were like, Oh, we can finally do it. And I had to go to New York to do the course. And it was me and all physiotherapists. And I had better hands-on training than any of them, but it was like, I waited for that because up until that point, you like social media and the internet's amazing. Now the courses that are available to you and to me, 10 years ago, we're not there. Like it was very limited and you were limited within your scope. So now you have the opportunity to like, really like let it fly and take stuff that you're like, oh man, like, yeah, I'm qualified. I get to be a part of that, you know? And like, cause like to that point, it's weird to, for me to like hear this. Cause like I'm coming out of the point, I'm like, oh man, this is cool. There's some people like the, 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 the road is already paved. Yeah. Basically. Right. Cause like from this, I didn't know like 2014 was the first time like massage therapist. Something over. like that. Yeah. It was, it, it, it was not available to us at the beginning. They really, cause, because Graston therapy was very much started and innovated in the United States. And as you might know, massage therapy is very different in the United States, i.e. it's not, it's barely a certification. And I'm sorry if any of any of your listeners are massage therapists in the states but the education is very different a lot of the courses there to become like an, an mt are like 500 hours long which we do more just in anatomy alone in ontario bc like in canada so the education system is very different there so from their perspective i understand it where they're like oh we can't let these massage therapists use these tools on people these instruments because they don't they're not qualified versus re-examining how we do things in canada and going oh, you know what, that's a little closer to even like their functional physiotherapy at the time. So yeah, you're, you're very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because like tying like, and I'm sure like Grasson is a pretty pricey, pricey course to do too. I've looked into it a bit. And I'm like, Oof, this, is, this is a big chunk of money. But um, the, the fortunate thing about a lot of like uh, education systems offered right now, it's like all online. So I could do the course 
live from my computer in my office and have like my fiance on the table and be like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to practice. You're going to be my dummy for the whole weekend. Or not even, you could be like, I'm not going to do Graston. I'm going to buy a sidekick or an Amazon tool and I'm just going to like integrate it myself, which, you know, and that's, that's what it is. Like now we have all these secondary systems that come in. So you're paying for the name. ART was a lot like that in the beginning where ART was so expensive. It's still expensive, but it was so expensive, but you were paying for the name. People wanted active release, um, active release technique. And then there was, but it was a lot of money to also research. So a lot of people would like do the courses and not research. So you can't advertise that you did it, but you could still like list it on like past courses you've taken. So it's like this funny, like you couldn't put like Kelly Salvador, registered massage therapist, active release technique practitioner, but you could like put it on your website. Like in 2015, I did take this course and I'm still using the techniques every day. So it was this funny loophole, but the courses were really expensive. And now everything's become like monetized and more accessible. And it's, I don't know if I agree or disagree with some of those things, but yeah, for Graston, you were really paying for the name. You're paying for the patented system, the original tools, you know, to integrate into your practice for people to see them there. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Very different. Yes. Super different. Cause like the, with some of the course I've been doing uh, lately and the course I'm going to do this year, it's like a lot of like coaching certification more Mm -hmm. uh, due due to the fact of like, um, I think coaching is like a new way or it's a the better communication model and like more on the biomechanic standpoint of education market yeah. understand a body and how the body moves. Cause like, that's something I, I think it was like missed a lot from school was like the, the fact of talking about biomechanics and like the importance of stability, like the, the hierarchy of like mobility, stability and strength. Uh, well, and think about how you operate your practice now, as much as you're a massage therapist, you're also a weightlifter and yeah. you're involved in CrossFit. So compared to what the te- what they were teaching you in school of like, you are one thing and this is your scope and this is the world that you operate in. You're like, no, 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 I'm lots of things now. Like I get to play in all these different avenues and I get to combine them. So it's, it's not the colleges or the, you know, yeah, maybe it's their fault, but they're not looking at it of like, oh, we're developing this like well-rounded person. Like she's going to be an RMT, but she's also going to teach figure skating. And this person's going to be an RMT, but they're also going to do holistic nutrition. So their viewpoint of what they're teaching you is so limited. They're like, let's give them the bare minimum of remedial exercise, which let's all face it, it was garbage. But for you, you're like, oh, but I love coaching and I love weightlifting. So I'm going to go four steps beyond this and take all these extra great courses that are going to like, A, make me an incredible coach, but B, translate that back into my practice oh and, and i think like that's the that's the the money maker right there right you got to tie in like the course you want to take to like the the paycheck at the end of the day which is like money money gives us option and like money gives us freedom too so <laughs> we all show up on day one because we want to help people and then we only stay because money's good you can be a good person and want to help people and still want to like buy new nike air max and go on a holiday you know like I don't think they need to be mutually exclusive we're not saints in this industry just because we want to like help people make them feel better I like stuff I want to be able to buy the things that I want I want to be able to go and do the things that I want to do you know and we want that for the people we work with like we want them to actively work for to like create a great schedule and for them to work hard but I want them to take holidays I want them to have fun with their friends and have a life outside of clinic like because they're better for it 
they are energized when they come back and they get to go like, I went on this great cross country ski this weekend. We went to, with friends to a cottage. We did this, this, and this. You need to be a complete person. You can't just, you will burn yourself out so fast if you just try to dump everything you have into those people on the table and, and in reverse, take everything from them, right? Absorb all of their pain and their trauma and their loneliness and, and all these things. So it, you can have both. You can have both. Yeah. Like I want to trans, like now that like, I know, I, I don't want to take more of your time, but I want to talk about uh, your space in like Ottawa because Ottawa has a lot of like very, very competitive athletes, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've seen you, 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 yeah, you helped out with like the David Goggins challenge on the weekend with a, uh, mm-hmm. with Morgan. Yeah. Like bonkers. Like, what is this? Like, I think I, I, the cause, I think the cause mile for awareness for, uh, for MS, I think it's a beautiful idea. How did she do? Is she is she okay? <laughs> I, I I feel badly because I haven't even really talked to her. But <laughs> um, I had connected with Morgan during the pandemic because she had put out there that she was doing. She's a she's a world class Spartan athlete, and there was like a a COVID kind of version of the the World Championships, I believe, during the pandemic. So I reached out to her and I just said, "Hey, like I'll drop you some boots and like." you know, just help you along with this. Like, this is what we created this for. And we've kind of lost that. So that was our foot in the door with her. And then she had reached out when she, for this past weekend for the David Goggins challenge, which was 48 hours, um, running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So it's, it's 48 miles total, which is just under 80 kilometers, I believe just, and she wasn't alone. There was like a group of them. Um, so no, Ottawa is so blessed to have such an incredible athletic community here, whether it's football, whether it's hockey, whether it's bodybuilding, um, our, our ultra runners. And so, um, yeah, we've worked really hard in that arena. Joanne and I have both developed practices inside of athletics in different ways. I did a lot of hands-on early in my career. I worked for free a lot to, to really get my name in with, you know, with track and field for a good, for a good chunk of the time with rugby, when they come to the city, um, just kind of getting those opportunities and, and taking them where you get them. So as a result, you know, we've kind of developed a really nice niche of, of athletes looking for us. Um, but yeah, we get to work with, with all different kinds. So Morgan is an impressive woman. Um, they completed it as far as I know, everything looked good. So, um, yeah, I should reach out and just kind of chat with her a little bit and get her experience on it. Cause, uh, yeah, that was that on the weekend, and Matt did like 150k of cross country yeah. skiing. Again, incredible! Like, just she's got mental fortitude like no one else I've ever seen either. Um, I, I was peeking on Instagram and just watching her complete that. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's bananas to see, and like being surrounded with those athletes, I think it's very, I think it's very motivating for for you, or like even for me, some of the athletes I'm seeing, I'm like just like this is cool. Like mm-hmm. this is another type of world. Yeah. They're, they're, they're impressive people, right? Like they, to put that, to that that kind of sacrifice that's required to really be elite um, is, is not something I think everyone really understands. So, you know, really getting to work with them and getting to kind of be a very small part of, of their journey and what they're trying to achieve is, uh, is very, very special. It's cool. It's cool. And so like with the, cause I know you've worked with a couple of bodybuilders too. Mm -hmm. And how's that as a treatment approach? Cause like, bodybuilders are different or just built different like for awareness of diet awareness of like a contract I don't know like it just yeah. built different so 
I would say that they're probably some of the most disciplined athletes that you're going to meet. And it goes hand in hand with their sport. So in order to be a bodybuilder and whether that's physique, whether that's bikini, whatever falls in between, it's a symbiotic relationship between your diet and your fit and your fitness. So when you really look at like the rules that they live by in the sense of like, how many grams of what are they eating when, and when are they training and what are they training? And it's, it's a, it's a really tall order and it's not for everyone. Um, I think it's a really fascinating industry. I have my own opinions on parts of it, but uh, from an athletic standpoint, it's some of the most impressive athletes that you will work with because the discipline required is pretty staggering, especially when they do have an end goal. If, if they are heading to the stage, um, there's a sequence of events that has to happen. They have to make things grow and shape and move in a certain way and cut, cut on a certain schedule in order to be ready. Cause if you're not ready on game day, there's no do-overs, right? So working with that community, especially has been really, really great. And I'm, I'm working with Chris right now and he's two-time Mr. Olympia. And I think everyone seems to ask like, oh my God, he must be so hard to work on. My CrossFitters that like are just, big chunky pieces of muscle are way harder to work on than someone like Chris, like Chris just peels apart. Like, and that's because they work on everything individually, right? Like his whole job is to get on stage and be like an anatomy specimen. We need to see everything. Everything's got to pop and shape and move in a way that like is there for you where CrossFit's really intense on like just building like lumps of tissue. So like those people to me are like almost even harder to work on just because you don't have the pli same pliability. So someone like him or a lot of the, the women in bodybuilding are the same. Like they're easier to work on than you think they're big and there's a lot of muscle there, but it's, there's like often like not a lot of fat and like everything moves and glides really nicely and their hydration's on like everyone's different, but oh, yeah, sure. it's not, I think it's not what people think. Yeah. Like even for when I saw that, uh, for when I, on your story or on your on one of your posts with Chris, I'm like, I wonder. Like, the thought was like, like day one when Chris shows up, you're like, oh my god, this is a big gentleman. This this is someone built different than like someone going like hard at like CrossFit at 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. Just built different, but at the same time, it's just like uh, I had the thought of like I remember my cadaver lab I did, and I was just like must be just like a, a low, like the pec should be like a pull pork or the bicep should be just like so much easier to dig it around than like, like you said, the, the intense, like global athlete per se. Yeah. Like I, I personally think they're quite easy to work on, but it's not to say, like you said, like, oh my God, this guy walks in and like, that's a tall order. Yes, it can be for sure. And I have power lifters I can think of one gentleman in, in particular, he's a, he's a big dude and he knows to book earlier in my day. It's just, it's simple math. I will be, I'll have more energy. I will be more refreshed to get 280 on the table and work on that properly versus at, you know, six clients in. So he like, they, they get it, you know, and it's like, I'm fine to admit that, but like, I'm also, I'm still seeing six people a day. So like, I can, I can take it. I can do it. But no, like, it's still like, I wouldn't sit here and be like, oh, it's super easy. And like, I can, go, I can do six of those guys back to back. That's not the case. It's still tiring. And I need to eat all day and I need to like hydrate and make sure that I'm ready for it. But at the same time, it's the tissue is easier to work on than I think people think, but I have great mechanics. I keep myself in good shape. I'm strong. So like, and it's 
fun because I'm, I'm going through a lot of this with our younger RMT, Brianna. She's got such a great brain for, um, for kinetic movement. And she's figuring out way earlier than I did of like how to integrate more movement into her practice and do this with her clients. But it's fun because she's like, well, how do you get into this? And like, this is like, this is how I know how to do it. Like, how do you do it? And it's not school, right? Like everything is, everything is just like, well, what works, you know? Like, so yeah, the, the video that I posted of how I was stripping out maybe his pec, am I doing that with every client? No, no. Um, but for the, for his size, it fits. Like I can't put my elbow in everyone's pec, but for, for him, yes. Like that's exactly how I would do that. Just because like this pincher, pincer aspect, like just doesn't work the same. So yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun to kind of evolve and get to work with these guys. And I want to keep doing it as long as I can, um, as I get older. That's cool. That's so cool. Cause like, so what was your introduction to that? Um, cause I know to the bodybuilding world. Yeah. Um, Joanna does treat a large part of their, of that group. Um, and it goes in waves. Like I used to treat a bunch of them a few years ago and they were older athletes. Like they were kind of, it was, I was working with a lot of women's physique at the time. And a lot of them were like kind of on the cusp of retiring, kind of getting to the end of their run, um, kind of switching into different lanes. And when I, when her and I went into business together, she's, she's got a pretty good in with them. And, and there was quite a few of them that were coming in for especially a lot of shoulder work. And so with them, they have training partners that were seeing Joe and, and they made their way there. And then I had treated Courtney, um, Chris's partner. And she was like, I think you'd be a great fit for Chris. And so we started working together. So we're early in the season and I'm not the be all end all of therapy. Like if someone else is doing something different than me and that works for him, I'm like I said, I'm happy to just be a part of what works for him leading up to comp. And if we get to work together for the season, that's awesome. If he turned around tomorrow and said, Hey, Cal, I've been working with this guy and like, we're getting a lot of results. That's cool too. Like there's no ego there. Um, cause at the end of the day, it's, it's to, for him to have his best result. I'll be just as stoked for him in September. If last week was our last treatment together, or if I get to work with him until he hits the stage. So like I said, we're lucky, like they, they find their way to us via referral, via teammates, but it doesn't mean that they stick with you just because like their teammate likes how you work. Doesn't mean that it's a guarantee that they're also going to flow into that. And you really have to separate ego and, and, and that from that equation. You're sometimes it's just not the best results. Like you're like, and even what you said before, like someone's going to get it on the table and, oh my God, they're going to get this great treatment. You're going to give bad treatments. I had a massage a few weeks ago and I'm really close to emailing this guy. Cause I was like, it just didn't feel like we got enough out of it. And I was like, maybe I was distracted that day. Maybe he wasn't feeling it. I don't know. And it's someone I've treated before. But I kind of like, I just know that I'm like, ah, like it didn't feel like a great treatment and that's okay. Cause it happens. So, you know, and how do you manage that? Cause like you, we could talk about Chris or the powerless mm-hmm. or your, the, the, any higher end athletes to like gen pop and yeah. you're going to have bad treatment with any of those people on that spectrum. How do you manage mm-hmm. that? Cause this is like the, like the therapeutic guilt or like, oh shit, I fucked up today. Well, you're not going to fuck up so badly that like, unless you hurt someone, which it's not going to happen for the most part. Right. So I think part of it is staying in your lane. So like, if something is bigger than you, like if, like I, my favorite thing is to send people to David, my physio, like, and we work across the hall from each other now, but I'm like, "Mm, like you need a better, you know, more rehabilitative approach to this. I think dry needling would benefit you. Like, let's get you in with Dave and then I'll see you after that. So 
part of it is like being able to accept the limitations of what you can offer and, and be able to do those things really well, be able to explain that to your clients. So be able to tell them like, this is, this is what I'm really good at. I think this person could possibly be a better fit for you. Or like, I, I just don't think we're getting the results that we really need to see in this short period of time. Like even for him, um, he had like a little, uh, something with his shoulder and I, I had David look at him. Cause I was like, you know what? Like, I don't, we don't have time to, to waste figure, like seeing if I can be the only person to make this feel better. That's just so not the approach that I think is appropriate. So you know, you're going to have clients that you're not the right fit for. And if, as long as you have a great referral network, that should be where you utilize that. If you're like, you know what, I don't think my style quite works for you, but I think like Richard has like stuff that I think would really like be your jam. And, or I think, you know what, Brianna is like really into feet and ankle mobility and she's using anatomy trains. And like, I think she would totally benefit you right now. Having the confidence to utilize a referral system and colleagues helps alleviate that guilt a little bit because you can't, you know, if any younger therapist could take anything away, it's like, you can't be everything to everyone. It's impossible. And you're not going to be the best. I'm not the best. You're not the best. Joanna's not the best chiropractor. We're all really good at really big parts of our job. And then we can actively recognize when there are other people that are also very good at what they do. And they might be better than us in some respects. They might be worse. Like, you know what I mean? It's, you have to have, I think, a better approach at just recognizing where your limitations are and then work on them. Like if it's something that you're like, like you said, you're frustrated because maybe you didn't give a great, maybe you're like, ah, like my assessment kind of sucked today. Or like, the, like, I think they need joint mobilization and I, and I just don't think I'm doing this properly. You're either going to, that's your moment. That's either where you refer out and you learn how to do it better. And maybe you can improve on the next time or you refer out and you never learn to get better and you constantly refer out, or you like try to work at it over and over again and you're not really getting anywhere. So recognizing where your limitations are, I think are probably the, the, the most helpful aspect of like a relieving the guilt, but b being a good therapist and, and not trying to, to, to be everything, you know? It's funny that you say that because like, uh, I have two offices now. I work in the, in a, cl a chiropractic clinic, a multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary clinic, and I work in the gym, mm -hmm. and we, which we have two physios. And like, I know when I'm at the gym, I could be uh, myself pad like, a bit more brings a bit more of the weightlifting background and like the assessment making sure we got a bit more movement done but at the chiropractic clinic it's like okay pat like you're going to make sure you you provide what the client needs instead of like bringing your style of therapy here and if you're not the one like you just got to refer out right away you can you can do both though you know yeah, like you can it, it was just be... a different like vibe people were coming in from yeah. more like general swedish massage yes. And I was just like, okay, mm -hmm. so I know what people are going to come in for the expectation of their treatment. Don't imply yeah. and force your, force my rules here. And like, I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to yeah. assess over here. It's just like, okay, cool. I was making sure I was able to like assess gate, gate cycle a bit better when, when I was there, when I'm there. Cause like, if they're coming in for just a general treatment, I'm like, Hey, what, what do you want as a treatment today? What do you expect of today's treatment? What can I, yeah. instead of like, when I'm at the gym, I'm like, okay, well, we got to go through this assessment, this and this and this. Before okay. we, but, and which is like a weird thing to like, to, to be in. Cause the, the therapists that were there before they were, was more general treatment, less exercise prescription or mm -hmm. modality, uh, corrective exercises. So 
I've got to like slowly build my reputation at that location also. Well, and like you said, it's about introducing to them, like you are going to find people who are going to find you there via Cairo or a physio or because they used to see someone there before, but maybe you can offer something to them that they've been looking for that just wasn't available there before. So yeah. that's where that moment of like, Hey, I'm glad you had a great treatment. This is, you know, we, we did exactly what you were expecting today. If I could make a suggestion, I think these three exercises would be hugely beneficial. And you might have people go, you know what, like I got what I needed out of this and I'm going home, but you're going to have people that are like, Oh, like, that's awesome. I like maybe the therapist I saw before that wasn't available to me. So you're going to end up, I think as you grow in your practice, you're going to get to be a little bit more of yourself and and it's not imposing it on people it's simply making it available and letting it known that you're like i'm also this like i'm not just a massage therapist when i'm not here i also do this great thing and it's affected my treatment style in a really positive way yeah and that was one of the cases uh, one of the situations like throughout the day like the the patient came in she's like so i'm seeing uh, uh the chiro the physio for and the osteo for those issues i just want you to assess me and like what's your thoughts about this and I was like, oh, cool, let's play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, fun. It's fun when you get to do that, right? Oh, 100%. I think that's like the coolest thing of like the job per se. But I don't want to take more of your time. I know it's your day off. Go have a party. What's, a, what's on the schedule today? I'm about to head to a golf lesson. So nice. we're doing indoor golf for the winter. And then, yeah, I'm going to take my dog for a walk. Maybe maybe go for a run because it's really nice out. And this is this is about as as cold as it can be to get me out there to even try but um yeah no like a little bit of admin work today you know house cleaning that sort of thing but yeah try to take it easy like i love having a day off in the middle of the week so yeah that's, it'll be relaxing that's awesome thank you so much kelly my pleasure so where could people find you so i work out of ottawa ontario um our clinic space is kinetic edge health group and recover rx so we're located just outside of little italy so um, we've got physiotherapy, chiropractic care, registered massage therapy, and then we have a recovery studio that encompasses Normatec compression therapy, um, medical grade infrared sauna, Nucom, and game ready. And if you want to know any more about those things, um, you can head to our Instagram page, recover.rx, or you can head to kineticedgehg.com.